Welcome to episode 5 of Clarissa Explains Life. In this episode, some of the content is of sensitive nature, so just to be aware that it can be a bit triggering to some people. There's no point in me saying all the things that are talked about, because different things trigger different people, but there are certainly things that might be triggering to some of you, so um, I'm just putting that out there now before you listen. Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Clarissa Explains Life. And here we are, episode five already. Can't believe we've gotten this far. I'm still having some glitches with all my recording equipment. I had to change my microphone, send the old one back. Oh, it's it's been a bit of a nightmare. It's not as easy as it sounds when you're listening to podcasters. You think they're just talking into their phone? No. Um. So yeah, episode five. And this week I have another very special guest that I am going to interview. And um, I suppose this is a follow up to the first two episodes on weight loss. So there was my journey. Then there was my sister Becky's journey. And I'm really, really excited to say that my sister Anna has decided that she wants to tell her story. Now, she wasn't sure up until this week, which is why I didn't really announce it. But um, I'm delighted she is because talking about Becky, she spoke her journey and everything. But Anna's Anna's weight loss story and all her stuff is so different to Becky's. So um, it's another perspective from that whole side of it. So uh, I'm going to introduce her now. I'm really, as I said, I'm really excited to do this interview, another family interview. So um, Anna, welcome. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. And I can't believe it's your fifth episode. It's well done. You're doing so well. It's mad, isn't it? Um, I will just say to anyone listening, this is going to be for now, this will be the final weight loss or weight journey <laughs> episode. I'm not every episode is not going to be about weight loss. It was just yeah. and to be honest, we had had a plan to do a different yeah. type of interview. But um, I just decided that I kind of wanted to get my side of the story out there as well. And it seemed to fit in quite nicely. So I hope people aren't going to be bored listening to another story. But as you said, it is a very, very different story. Yeah. And I think I also think so many families, um, especially uh, like people who struggle with their weight, there is always other family members who are sort of in the same boat. But actually, when you pull everyone apart everyone is on such an individual journey and no two it's like I always say about like I said in my journey like what suits one person doesn't suit another person what what plan suits one person doesn't suit the next and I I had gone down the road of being very sort of um militant anti-clubs at one stage I spoke about that but I do now see that what works for you not for you Anna but what works for one person doesn't mean it shouldn't work for another person and if if all you if all a person gets out of going to a club 
is even the social aspect of it. We spoke about this the other night. Mm. So be it. So be it, you know. Um, So, yeah, Anna is next youngest down to me. I'm the eldest. So Anna's four years younger than me. And there's actually only 11 months between Anna and Becky. Um, I think I... uh, 13. Is it 13? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm December and she's January. Oh, of course. Not quite Irish twins, but no. all, just might as well be. I'd say mum would say you, you may as well be. <laughs> exactly. So um, Anna actually, and I'm going to bring it up at the end of the interview, mm. but Anna actually, I said this, I've said this a few times, but Anna is such a wise old owl, young owl, owl. <laughs> um, Ow, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> She has her own business and she has always been my inspiration when it comes to how I would like my coaching. She doesn't do well. You do do you sort of do everything. But her the way she is and how she puts herself out in her business is just amazing. And I am going to get her to repeat it at the end so you can write it down. But Anna is actually a counsellor she's a shaman she's a celebrant she's go on I can see you wincing go on you you'd say what you are because you've so many facets to you well I'm a a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist um first of all with over um 10 years of experience um qualified in 2011 um, but I'm also a, a fully qualified shamanic pract- Irish native Irish shamanic practitioner, um, and um, I've been doing that for a good few years as well. Um, but on just very that- briefly, because we will talk more about all mm-hmm. what you do in another yeah. podcast. But in one sentence, what does an oh Irish God. shamanic practitioner do? Um, it's a form of holistic healing. Um, some people would say it's a spiritual healing, but spiritual is a very loaded word because there's yeah. a lot of kind of like, you know, stuff around that. But in that there's contact with spirit. Um, so I work with my spirit guides and with other people's spirit guides um, and and I use the drum and the rattle. So I suppose the kind of a common analogy would be like medicine man or woman within the native american tradition even though it's very different um and there's a very very long and rich history of shamanic work within the native irish tradition celtic and irish tradition um but it wouldn't have been called shamanic so within the irish tradition the name would probably have been something like ban or farfaza which okay. means wise man or wise woman. So basically it's just like the village kind of tribal healer that would have kind of looked after people's physical, mental and spiritual well-beings. But also on top of that, say the her, you know, like um, especially within the Irish tradition, like, you know, removed curses and did like yeah. land healings and land clearing and you and do house, house clearings and things yeah. like that don't you oh, yeah every, well when you could that's huge yeah well not at the moment but that's <laughs> a huge part of my business yeah. well that was but the longest sentence that, ever oh sorry I know I was thinking that how the <laughs> best do I do that but um 
and there's a lot more to it than that as well. But on top of that as well, I am also uh, um, ordained priest um, of the Celtic tradition, uh, Celtic Irish pagan tradition. Um, and I'm, a, as you said, I'm a celebrant. So I'm um, qualified or qualified is the wrong word, but I do like legal weddings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like hand fastings and kind of like a lot of which would be outdoors. So a lot of people look for kind of alternatives to the traditional um, church weddings. Um, and um, and I train a lot of people in. in a, so it's very holistic. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought in story short, it's very holistic. What I what I loved about what you did was you kind of went against the not went against it. But when you had qualified with your counselling, I think you sort of made it what made it so individual to how you are as a counsellor. So you bring all your modalities in. um, And I think that's very special. For me, again, just keeping it really short, was that when I. I, I mean, counselling and, and psychotherapy is like just everything to me. But when I did that, um, I realised quite quickly that there was something missing mm-hmm. that that kind of it was, you know, it's very focused on people's mental health, which it should be. Absolutely yeah. should be. Yeah. But I think that always for me, a big part of mental health is you know, spiritual and, and, you know, um, holistic health as well. Mm. And when I say spiritual, I mean, that's anything that's spiritual for you. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about, so, you know, connection to spirit and connection to soul and holistic health. So that's why bringing the two of them. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot of people like me who are very qualified, you know, psychologists, psychotherapists, counselors, who are also shamanic practitioners because bringing the two of them together research like proper scientific research has shown that it's a very effective way of treating people in a holistic manner deadly brilliant so we will hopefully we're going to chat to you again about yeah because that could be like a whole yeah series of 10 10 million podcasts (laughs) yeah absolutely um and what we're doing today is talking about the whole weight loss thing and absolutely just because you're I think because you're it's a family thing not a family thing that's that sounds right it's a family our brother would love love to hear that (laughs) yeah um yeah just that's a little side note we do have a younger brother who is like Mr Fitness one two three he's so super fit and healthy and you know um I maybe that's out of fear of ending up like his two three sisters yeah who you know he parents yeah not so much but yeah, yeah them as well and but like he would be almost militant about not putting weight on or not getting you know any issues he does have back issues though but that's another story yeah. but anyway yeah so I suppose as you quite rightly pointed out before I started recording we started recording um there's no real need to go into major sort of childhood background stuff because I talked about it Becky yeah. talked about it so you're sort of you're on just very briefly if you want to if you don't mind, yeah. if you if you want to just say you've listened to both in you know both um, recordings, so 
what's your perspective uh, for uh, our childhood? Yeah, childhood, absolutely. I, I would be very much on the page with you. Um, and um, I, you know, I think our parents did a great job of keeping us alive and, you know, and bringing us up. Um, but it wasn't easy. Um, and I don't think that any children come out of childhood unscathed you know I always say that to all my clients and all my you know my friends like our parents are gonna your parents are gonna f you up you know you are gonna f your children up one way or the other um so that's just a given really Mm. it's just a given but um I think that uh definitely there are there were issues around food and and control um in other ways um and mealtimes for me which was probably a bit different to you and Becky were very um very very stressful for me um and I I had a lot of I mean I was always called the fussy eater yeah um and I had a lot of issues around food growing up um anything with lumps in it or anything with there's a lot of stuff around yeah fat and texture and there was a lot of things that I didn't yeah and I never ate fish and because of the 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 way we did grow up and and you know it was a hard time it was the 80s and you know things were difficult and there wasn't a lot of food and there wasn't a lot of money and there was no waste Mm. um and so and there was no like idea of well if you don't like that I'll make you something different you know you ate you ate what was on your plate yeah that was it um so I and I had a lot of a lot of issues around food and um I even remember at one stage dad sitting me down and having a conversation with me saying that you know cars can't run without petrol and people can't run without food because I wasn't eating um because which is funny now to look back on you know Mm. um uh and I really remember that but I also remember um how old do you think you were around what sort of age I think I might have been about seven six or seven at that stage you know eight maybe um and yeah and I but I also do remember as well um being made to eat stuff that I made me mm. very sick and you know oh, I remember those running outside and getting yeah. sick and um gagging and gagging and you know um and and again there's no blame or judgment put no. here I'd say it was a lot the way of it was my generation yeah would say similar mm. um it's funny because Becky spoke about I knew did about going to granny's house and you know her talking about the African children oh. well do you, I don't know if you remember this but I remember it so clearly that I used to push food off the, my plate and hide it under the, like meat, fatty meat and stuff and hide it under the rim oh, of the plate. And now. she gave me a glass plate so that I couldn't do that. No. All those glass plates. <gasps> the yes. The sort of the tan, the brown ones. Yeah. I used to push the food and try and hide it under the rim. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Um, so there was a lot of issues. Around I had food. actually forgotten that, but I do now that you say it. I have this vivid yeah. image of you with the pieces of fat and stuff under the plate. Yeah, under the rim of my yeah. place. That's what I used to do. Um, Jesus. And it's not. It was now. I don't think it was much of a surprise to anybody really that I kind of became vegetarian. No, kind of in my early teens, and I've been vegetarian nearly my whole life you know on and off but most you know the vast majority of my life but um I think probably then at around 10 or 11 I started putting on a lot of weight you know or weight became more of an issue and foods but food was always and food was always and you spoke about it being a reward and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah I remember and being I remember we used to get be allowed to take three or four sweets from the sweet jar after if we ate all our dinner after dinner from the biscuit jar and I was I remember I was useless at maths and I remember I'll never forget sitting at one end of the table with mum helping me do my maths homework and dad sitting at the other and for every maths homework question I got wrong he ate one of my sweets and I had no sweets because I kept getting them wrong you know I i vividly remember that when I look think about it now the trauma of that like just how upsetting it was because I was so it wasn't that I was I don't mean I was afraid to but the the connotations I mean it was reward punishment wasn't it you know but food was used as a reward punishment in you know and it was in many houses it's not just us think of all the houses that you know you'd be given a few bob to go to the corner shop you hear about people talking about that all the time it's not there is no as we both have said and I've said in every single one of when I've talked about my childhood there is no me not trying to blame mom you know at all she mom did fabulous considering she didn't really have a role model as a mother she look at the three wonderful daughters she created and raised you know and I do think we're all uh, yeah but I'm talking about the women (laughs) all right us as mothers but I I do think you know she she did an amazing job and I'm not just saying that because I know she'll be listening to this I you know we've (laughs) we've always said this you know for for someone whose mother died when she was three and she she was was four by the way three and a half four yeah okay and she was in a boarding school from the time she was seven oh, she was God. raised by elderly spinster aunts when you think yeah. about it like I know how amazing she is incredible. as a mother and she really is and the gifts of teaching us how to be mothers you know that's the mm-hmm. other side of it so and I, I always say that she's she is she really is one of the most if not the most caring Mm. and loving and generous spirit and just you know people and and you know down to earth and honest and you know wise people that I've ever met Mm. and it's not just because she's my mother she is and she's listening to this (laughs) um mom if you're listening you can send me up a packet of sweets Yeah, no, and that is, I just, I do have to make a point to that because I don't, you know. It's really hard to talk about these things. It is. And be honest and speak your truth. Yeah. um, And be be genuine and still, uh, but still with the awareness that it could also hurt 
yeah somebody who or people who might be listening you know yeah. it's and it's a fine line but I think it's still important to be honest and you know and to be congruent <laughs> excuse me you know Look, we have we have had this discussion we've had these chats with mum you know in off camera or off off recording it's it's not like she doesn't know so I don't want you know I'm she didn't ring me sort of really upset after she listened to mine so I think she's happy enough you know that we are able to talk about it and look we're probably effing you know I've effed up my daughter just as much yeah my stuff and and you said yourself that you've effed up your daughter, uh, your children, you know. In, yeah. So we're all just doing the best we can. Exactly. You know, and that's generally. all we can do as parents, yeah. as long as you love your child and, you you know, you're just doing your best. So yeah. anyway, getting back to it. was yes. definitely yeah. uh, a trigger. It was definitely a trauma that I carried, you know, and um, it, there was a lot, there was a lot there and, you know, I I'm again I'm kind of against this kind of thing of emotional eating because I think that it kind of gives a certain connotations. Um, I I personally believe that everybody who is overweight or is an emotional eater, um, whether they're fully aware of that themselves or not. Um, we had this conversation recently because I'm like you. I don't believe emotional eating is the right term mm. I think eating very to suppress emotions yeah, or absolutely. eating to well then but then as I've said there's eating that's Anna shaking a oh sorry a teaspoon in a glass shaking my thing there's eating to suppress emotions and there's not eating to suppress you know to control emotions and you know it's there's a lot of different aspects to it yeah um anyway whatever you want to call it it has been labeled emotional eating and that's just the way it is so going back to the the I'm I'm gonna bring you back the, the, (laughs) the secret eating secret eating and again you know I I I think that's very loaded as well but there was there was a lot of control as we've spoken about before put on food right in our house. And I'm not saying that we ever went hungry. Um, I, I, I think I definitely did, but that was more because I was such a fussy eater. And a lot of the time I didn't want to eat, you know, what was there, but um, I do definitely remember, you know, um, kind of, Oh, well, I mean, I think one of my big ones, I was a reader. I always was a reader. Mm. Like we had a very, very active outdoor, you know, full on um, hard work childhood, really hard work upbringing. And there was a lot to do. We had a lot of animals. We had a, you know, we had a lot of work to do. Um, And but I was a reader and I loved reading. And, you know, that was sometimes seen as a negative thing. Um, and that was my escape as well you know reading was my escape and it still is 100 mm. percent. you know um, so I definitely do remember you know um, like I, I, taking like apples or something and then like a plate of sugar and dipping the apples in the sugar while I was reading my books or yeah. you know um, and then the other side of that was as well that 
a lot there was a lot of control put around food because um because there wasn't a lot of it so we didn't have you know we didn't have a, a continuous supply of food so a lot of the time it'd be like nicking you know um raisins that mum would use for making you know cakes or nicking the the you know the brown sugar that she'd she'd use you know because it was there wasn't really like sweets or or biscuits or although mum I I do remember mum being a really a really good she used to make cakes and you know and and yeah all that sort of stuff and there was always a dessert on a Sunday after dinner um but we never (gasps) really had So I remember yeah. them going shopping and it probably happened more than once, but I, oh, I'll never forget m- making butter icing and just eating it when yeah. they weren't there. Like actually yeah. getting the icing sugar, getting the butter, getting the vanilla yeah. essence yeah. and actually making a load of it and sort of eating it, you know. When I think and I also that, remember, yeah. um, I also remember, uh like kind of the minute that they would leave running mm. into the kitchen and like making coffee with like 12 <laughs> tablespoons of sugar in it and you know do you remember was, going to and granny's and granny had the coffee mate and we yeah. would be like spooning oh, yeah. spoons of coffee mate I know, <laughs> because it was just such a it was such a real controlled mm. you know but i and, but also i've said I've actually said on my, uh, if you remember, one of the things I do remember is like, there was only ever really healthy food. The unhealthy food was like what you're talking about, baking products, but there was never, or like we used to get bars and crisps for our lunchbox, but it would be like a bar and a packet of crisps. Yeah. That I don't was remember the going there being thing. crisps that often, but bars, we used to have yeah. like wafer bars. But like we would be, there would be no chance that we could have the there was never white bread for instance like mum would bake bread and this is what I'm saying we ate very uh, like the food that we were given was very nutritious and really good yeah. food but yeah. like I remember going next door down the over the field I won't name the the family but I remember going to them and they'd have sugar sandwiches on white bread with real yeah. butter and it's just like yeah. oh my god yeah, you know no. it was just yeah. like and never having, and then we'd have, we'd go to Gory and we'd get chips and it would just be such a treat. So all that food, the and bad food was treat. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, did, I mean, I know I did it with my two children and I know you did it. You know, I know, like you went the opposite way though, a little bit. Yeah. You were sort of very, I did a bit, yeah. yeah. I was a bit more kind of, I kind of wanted to be a bit more, like I did a lot, like I got into the raw and the yeah. raw food and the and you well, I'm vegetarian, that. obviously. And, you know, I always tried to make sure that it was healthy snacks and it was more healthy for me. It was more healthy. Um, no, no. Tomato uh, ketchup. Tomato like, <laughs> ketchup? Yeah. I don't remember that. You wouldn't Band. let Ella have tomato ketchup. Really? Yep. I don't remember that. Yeah. Wow, what an awful person I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ella. but like, you know, I know, I know, I know. What we bring, whereas I was the opposite. I just had 
the fridge full of stuff I had treats everywhere and I was just like free for all just you work away kids you know and I was trying to go on the sort of hopefully they would eat naturally but they saw all they ever saw was a disordered person who had disordered eating you know um and I was very much like I, I was very much a sort of food was is love and it still is. I mean, I still mm. cook extra most times for my son mm. so I can give him, you know, it's my way of showing him love is to yeah. give him. And I but I used my daughter as a co-conspirator in secret eating or let's go and yeah. get a cake. And, you know, so yeah. anyway. You went through your teens. Back to me, please. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah. So yeah, I went through my teens, and you know, I did have some uh, traumas as well. Um, that obviously I'm not going to go into here, but um, no. you know, some kind of sexual traumas and stuff like that. And I, I, I do know that um, I definitely never really wanted to be attractive. You know. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very, um, it's very hard. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, mixed, you know, um, it's, it's very deep in the subconscious is what I want to say, you know what I mean? Um, so I can see it a lot clearer now, but at the time I definitely did start putting on a lot more weight because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be um stand out and I know mm. you've spoken about that as well and 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 I had some you had some traumas I had some traumas you know different traumas or whatever and um and yeah and basically I it's funny though I mean I have this memory of always being like really overweight and and it's just recently I've I've been doing a lot of clearing out um, especially over the last few months, which we'll get to later. But um, and I came across uh, uh, um, an album of photographs that I took uh, when Becky and me and Gronia went to went up backpacking to Greece and Turkey. Yeah. For summer. Uh, so I think I was about 22, 21. And I think Becky must have been 20. And in my head, I was massive then. And looking back on those pictures, I was like, I, I actually sent them to the two girls and we had a laugh about them, but um, copies of them. But uh, like we we all said, oh, my God, I was like really thin at that mm. time. But in my head, not really thin. I was probably like a 14, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm tall. So, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like five foot. Uh, I'm about five foot eight yeah. and a half. Um, so well, the half is you important. Know, very important. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, a 14, kind of 14 to 16. Yeah. Is like, it's not that overweight. But in my no. head, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was always big. And do you think was that funny. was society or how, like, I, touched on that as well about my teens I was always the bigger of my group and actually when I look back I was probably size 14 I actually I remember I was size 14 I know I was because I actually remember going to buy clothes and I was a 14 but everyone all the other girls in my group were like size 8 to 10 and I just had and I was called fat and I was called you know that's how I was bullied so absolutely that was just yeah that's yeah 
And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely and Becky and I, obviously, because there's only a year between us, we grew up together, you know, Um, so much so that like our names were kind of melded into one. It was like Anne and Becky, Becky and Anna kind of thing, you know. Um, So and we would have been from my perspective I don't know if Becky remembers this but we were deaf I was I was bullied hugely through mm. all throughout primary school and secondary school um for being fat and overweight and, and we were, know, it wasn't just that we were overweight we were different in the part you know we yeah, were different in so in many the community other ways as well that, our family yeah. was different yeah, like very different everyone else was sort of farming backgrounds or that you know and um, been there for generations yeah and we were the this hippie family that rolled yeah, in and horses and you know yeah. wagons and you know even before that like, though yeah before they I ever know. came along we were still just this weird hippie family you know mm. So exactly. I think that was always that was always there. Low in low yeah. in family. Yeah. Um and when I look back now, course, they probably were jealous. Well, of course, there was a huge <laughs> there was a huge other uh difference that you haven't you haven't mentioned, which I think was a massive difference, was the whole religion. Because we oh, grew yeah. up in a very rural Catholic um, you know, area and we were well, we were brought up as Church of Ireland Protestants yeah. and I for me anyway that was a huge other aspect Same, of yeah. that I received I mean I actually remember walking down the street in the village and having mm. stones thrown at me and being called a prostitute because prostitute sounds like protestant and that's yeah. hilarious to call like an eight-year-old girl you know get away you prostitute and having stones thrown at us like mm. And and other kids not being allowed to play with us because because of the religion and yeah. you know it was it was ma- there was massive discrimination. Wasn't it you when you started in secondary school that someone said you couldn't pros- when you said you were Protestant? They said you couldn't be because Protestants worship the devil and ho- have horns grown out of their heads. Yeah, I'm sure it was you. Yeah. And I yeah. was very same they thing in secondary now. school. I was very segregated. I have a full set of horns. <laughs> yeah, but I was, <laughs> I was. We were segregated because Absolutely. we went to Catholic schools when yeah. it was time for religion. We had to leave the class, so we really stood out as well. Like, yeah, it wasn't yeah, theology was back then. Oh, stop. as a teenager, I remember excruciating. Oh. And actually, I mean, they were all was, just jealous of us getting out of well, religion. I don't know, but I can just say that the oh. trauma is real, you know, yeah. the, the wounds are real, you know, all those things together. Um, and then, you know, being always the biggest as well, the biggest, yeah. you know, the, the biggest. Anyway, I mean, you know. It so you got to your up. 20s, into your 20s. got to my 20s, went to college and finally fa- felt like I was a person when I went to college and, you know, kind of found a kind of a place I actually I don't know if you remember this but um you probably I'm sure you do but um I actually ended up going to boarding school in Dublin yeah. for my last two years yeah and it Kings was always Hospital. my dream yeah to go to boarding school because of course I was an avid reader and I'd read all the Mallory Towers yeah. and, you know um what's whatever the other one is I can't remember it now and I just thought boarding school sounded like the most amazing place where people were all pally pally and midnight feasts and all the rest of it so I got to I got to to boarding school 
And I was bullied for being a bloody cult sheet, like, you know, and, and stuck out like a sore, thro- sore thumb for being a country bumpkin. Whereas when I was in school in the tech in Kilmockridge, I was bullied for being a snob because I was quite well spoken and, you know, read, and well read. the connotation of being Protestant as exactly. well. Exactly. So I never fit in. And then I went to college and finally I did fit in a lot better. And, you know, um, but again, I always felt like I was massive. And even then, looking back, I wasn't, you no. know, but I always felt like I was. I was, you know, um, and I ended up uh, after college, I, I graduated with a degree in international marketing. And um, I went I, I went to Spain for a year um, to work as an English teacher and then went ended up going to Italy for four years to work as an English teacher. Um, and then while I was in Italy, I met my hus- husband, not in Italy, but while I was living in Italy, I was visiting my Becky, our sister in Turkey, and I met my my ex-husband then. Um, and again, I would say I was probably, when I first met him, I was probably like a 16 to 18, you know, mm. um, maybe kind of 18, 18-ish, you know, which again, isn't isn't that big. But um, our relationship was very toxic and very, um, yeah. And I put on a lot of weight after that time. And you got pregnant as well. And I got pregnant um, and I suffered from severe postnatal depression. Yeah. So by the time Ella was about two or three, um, I was probably in about a 20 size 26 so I really did put on a huge amount of weight over those few years you know during my my my, and I was very very unhappy and very very oh I mean my mental health was at rock bottom I was so low yeah I remember Um, and you know I was really low I mean almost as low I was suicidal at times I really was it was an awful time um and then uh he ended up he left me um he'd already checked out of the marriage anyway quite some time beforehand and it was quite a toxic abusive um uh, situation um and he left when ella was about 1 year old um so in 2004 and after that time i was very very low um mental health and you know i severe postnatal depression money was very tight and i put on a lot of weight um and I think I was thinking about it today, kind of in preparation. I think it was, and and I think it was. So around, were you comfort eating? That, I at that was stage? just eating. Yeah. I was just eating, you know. To push down emotions. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I was, but I was just, I was just, I was so unhappy. But you were real. So, you were still time, quite a secret realize. eater, you know. I think even up to this I don't, last year. I don't year. think so. I don't think so. I was. I don't think I was that much of a secret eater. I was just eating a lot. You, you know? used to even eat huge portions. portions. I was yeah, exactly. always like yeah, huge, amazed huge amount. at yeah. how much you could put in. I don't even think, I, I don't think that I was, I think I was a secret eater as a child. But as an adult, I don't think I was that much of a secret eater. I just ate a lot all the time. Mm. But I wasn't hiding it really as such, you know. But don't forget, I was on my own most of the time as well. Um, yeah. And I was, I, 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 I honestly don't think that I was secret eating. 
I think I was more secret eating as a child. Um, yeah, but like say I just was eating a lot. Say when you were came home, for instance, I think you would be still secret eating. You'd have food in your bedroom and stuff. No. Oh. No. Okay. No, I mean, I might have, but I don't think I was hiding it. You know, I wasn't hiding it. Do you know what I mean? Right. I was I was eating it. I was eating yeah. openly. I was eating I was eating huge amounts. Mm. I got very overweight. Very, very overweight, you know. Um, so you ended up moving back to Wexford? Well, just before briefly. that, um, when I was still in Cork, yeah. Um, when Ella was about three, I yeah, I was I was really, really overweight, as I said, and I I decided to try the Cambridge diet. So that was my first kind of um, I kind of done like cabbage soup. And I used I used to love the cabbage soup diet, actually, because I'd, <laughs> I'd be able to lose like a stone in a week, you know, and then put on a stone and a half the week after. But anyway, um, so I decided to try the Cambridge diet, which is the soup and the shakes. Was that and, in Cork? I thought you'd yeah, move back by then. No, That's I was mad. still in Cork at that time. Yeah, definitely. Uh. And I mean, that was just amazing because I lost so much weight. Oh so God, quickly. I remember the yeah. first week of being on it i lost 16 pounds you know and then the dream and oh yeah and it was it was like a drug yeah the weight was but it was very hard you were buzzing oh as long as i wasn't eating i was Mm. fine you know um and because that's it you removed yeah all food and that was how why it worked because you were able to you know literally remove a whole that yeah. l- real food yeah absolutely. and that's what and you were just so focused I remember how focused you were you oh know? I was so full and that lasted about four months and eventually you do have to start introducing food and it's yeah. usually like really like you have one meal a day no carbs really light or whatever but as soon as I started eating again that's when I think I lost like you know, over four stones, say in four months, yeah, like yeah. you know, and um, and it was amazing. But I did start eating again, and once I started eating again, that was it. I lost it. I was still kind of maintain, and then I moved back to Wexford, and I remember um, I couldn't, I couldn't get back into that buzz again of being did back on not, the Cambridge. I tried did you not so many again? times. Yeah, I did. I tried. A couple of times I tried to get back onto it, yeah, but I never it was able. Does. I do it for a week or two, and yeah. I kind of have a little cheat. You know, I might have, you know, you did Herbalife as well, didn't you? I remember you and yeah, your but friend. not in the same way. No, not in the same way. No, no, like, not in the same way. But I remember yeah, you going Cambridge for me was, you know, and and I remember then we all after coming off Cambridge I think we went to Unislim that was when stuff. the four of us went you yeah, mean, and then and we Becky. lost more weight yeah and then I remember stopping Unislim and yeah. I remember you and me particular doing like South Beach diet yeah mum and, and dad remember, as well yeah and I remember losing a bit more weight on that and I think that was the lowest I've ever been as an adult right um and then I started, I don't know, I don't know why, but we kind of all lost focus or something on that. And it just, you know, and then I started putting weight back on again. 
Mm. And since I think that must have been pro, pro, and in the meantime, I'd moved back to Wexford and everything. And then we did try going back to Unislim and going yeah. Weight Watchers, all of us together. But and Slim never, and World arrived. And yeah, never. Actually, and I think never, you'd moved up to Athlone then, hadn't you? No. Um, I remember you talking in your podcast about the Slim and World thing. And yeah. I remember I was on the Minimins website yes. as well. And yeah. we were so, we were so, like, I remember us both being so excited about Slim and Slim and War was going to answer all our questions and be the, you know, and we were yeah. so, and it was just the same as, you know, really the other, yeah. but it was going to be our life. But you were you know. like me, weren't you? Because you, I, I talked slightly about it, about the subconscious mind and the word free. Oh, the free. And you mm. were the same. I remember you saying to me, oh my God, I can eat pasta and potato. You know, you're a real yeah. pasta girl anyway. You're oh my God. Pa- yeah. And, and pizza. Carbs, and bread. Yeah. Pizza, carbs, bread. Yeah. And cheese. <laughs> See, that's why I don't think I'm, I ever was really much of a secret eater because I've never really been like a sweetie, cakey, biscuit, biscuity person, you know, right. for me, it's always really been the pasta and the, so you know, the, the savory and right. you know like i i'd never really eat biscuits we yeah. never have biscuits in the house here sweets it's funny because I, mean, I can't have biscuits in the house because it, i would sit down and eat half a pack and then feel really yeah. ill so yeah. i don't buy them or if i do there's biscuits i don't like you know yeah. if i, I'm I remember buy that. <laughs> but um like i could eat a plate of pasta for six people do you know what but i, mean? I remember or you saying that six, but, you'd done you know. swimming world for a couple of weeks and i remember you saying oh it's not working it's not working and i i think it was the pasta it was the free pasta because you would have it on your plate and you might have had your third but it was a big plate and you you know i think you're you were like me a food manipulator you know a plan manipulator. oh 100 percent hundred percent. And I've admitted to that, like any plans where 100%. you've got yeah. the tub of quark that's probably yeah. 300 calories. And I would, you know, that's a free food. You've like the plan has told Never me it's free. Quark, quark, no, I know you quark, didn't. Quark. But, no, but for me, you know, I know, I know. A hundred, oh, definitely. And cheese. Yeah, you're right about cheese. Absolutely. <laughs> cheese, bread, yeah. pasta pizza my, I could live I, I could have lived off them for the rest of my life yeah. except I wouldn't have because I would have died but anyway so um, you yeah. had your injury that will bring oh yeah up to so that. yeah move, and then and then of course in the meantime I moved to and I fell in love with a man and a man well he's from Dublin actually but um, oh yeah well he, he, am, but he, lives he is really a bogger west off <laughs> I mean yeah 100% uh Westmeath and moved to Westmeath um eight years ago and at that time I had actually I was kind of I was back on track again mm. for whatever reason I can't really remember but I remember being in a size 20 when I met Steve right I remember clearly I was and after we met as well um sorry I keep I don't know if that's coming through. I keep banging the mic, but okay. um, um, after we met, I also kind of kept on with the weight loss for a while. Yeah. And, and then I got pregnant quite early on in the relationship and had a miscarriage and that really knocked me off track. And there was also some issues with us relationship wise as well that obviously I'm not going to go into that really were very, 
very difficult during the, our kind of the, the start of our relationship mm. and all of that again the emotional stuff started coming up for me again you know mm. and I started putting on weight a lot of weight again um and as I said I moved to I moved to Westmead then um eight years ago and uh um two years after we'd met and um <clears throat> and then in 2015 um I January 2015 yeah January 2015 I sustained a serious injury to my neck mm. And I, I damaged my spine. Um, I put a disc out in my neck with, um, sp- which, with spinal damage to my spinal cord. And <clears throat> um, I was in extreme, extreme pain. Um, I should have had surgery straight away for that. But unfortunately, because of the health system we have in Ireland, mm. um, it took them four years to to do this urgent surgery. During you were, which time, you were referred to Beaumont, weren't you? And you were yeah, told to, yeah. you were on the urgent list, but you'd never get to have the surgery because there was always people who had like tumors and stuff that exactly. were more urgent than you. I wasn't going to die. Yeah. But I was told that I could be made, I could become um, paralyzed at any minute. Yeah. I could move in a certain way or I could, you know, or I could and and this and it would just impact my spine in a yeah. certain way and I'd become paralyzed. And yeah. I lived with that fear. But also I I was also diagnosed with fibromyalgia and some other issues and um my my physical health just degenerated so Mm. rapidly and this is just one thing that I would like to say at this time as well like I have all as a you know as we've discussed I've always been big um sometimes not quite as big as I thought I was and probably at other times bigger than I thought I was as well you know (laughs) um a lot bigger than I thought I was but I was always confident and and outgoing and you know and and I always said that I was and I was always healthy you know to a certain extent I was obviously you know and I was active and I was and I was always you know well f the begrudgers I am yeah. what I am I am who I am I don't care I'm happy and big you know is beautiful. This thing, you were actually big is beautiful you, exactly you really were a big is beautiful girl. proponent yeah, for 100%, it 100%, you felt 100%. very sex, sexy as you were and you'd know <laughs> so sexualized no but yeah <laughs> but I absolutely did. I remember 100%. being percent yeah yeah, I know. Pro- uh, no. Even though I had all that other stuff as well going mm. on, I also had that. You know, I also did feel I was. Yeah. Oh, I was good with what I was until I wasn't anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was like, you know, that thing of healthy at any size was, you know, I was fat and healthy mm. until I wasn't anymore, and my decline went down so rapidly since yeah. since 2015, and it got to the point then where. I last say last summer um I was on a walking stick yeah um taking like bucket loads of painkillers a day you know a nice little codeine dependency going because I was mm. in so much pain constantly 
Oh, I had. Oh, yeah, I had the next surgery then in twenty in in February twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, twenty nineteen, and um and unfortunately because it it had it had been left so long, it didn't help my condition. So um it did in a way, but it kind of caused other problems, and I yeah. still have tremendous nerve damage. I still have a huge amount of pain, and also it had caused like other spinal issues. And my lack of mobility had caused massive issues and massive weight gain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point then where last summer um, I, you know, I was like, as I said, I was on it. I was on it. I couldn't walk for longer than five minutes without being in excruciating pain. Mm. I was using a, I was using a walking stick to get around. I couldn't stand. I couldn't do simple things like, you know, wash up or cook. I was living off bread and cheese because I couldn't cook. You know, I was depending on my daughter, my teenage. I mean, it just breaks my heart saying all this well, to I, do simple, simple things for me. You know, she, I was so dependent upon and, her. And I I remember actually saying that about that was my biggest worry that you were going to end up in a wheelchair and Ella would be your care. I was going to end up in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, on the on the 3rd of July. I went to hospital. My doctor sent me to see a specialist yeah. and he just, he decided to keep me in on the, and it was actually her birthday on the 3rd of July. Mm. And I went into hospital and he kept me in for a week and I got a full spine MRI and I got all, and you know, I got all of the, the tests done. And basically they said to me that, you know, there was significant damage to my spine, um, significant wear and tear. I had a bulging you'd disc also, in my... I was going to say you'd also developed lower back issues. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Knee, yeah. knees, body pain. You know, the fibromyalgia is no joke either, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and high blood, high blood, controlled high blood pressure, but taking three tablets a day to control it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, so... I mean, I was just, and my mental health was just, you know, because of, because of all the the physical and how down I was, you know, I was about everything. And it was just, it was a really low point mm. in my life. We um, were very worried about you as a family. I know. I was very you know, worried We really about were. But yeah. there was no. There was nothing anybody could do. No. Well, there was, but. Yeah, know, but I mean, like. I will say it to you now. I think you definitely had, there was definitely, maybe you didn't, but to us and to the people around you, you, it seemed like you were in denial, absolute denial about the weight side of it, I suppose, and the the impact on your physicality. I wasn't in denial about it. You were to us. Nothing I could do about it. Yeah, but to us you were, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe to you. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't mm. in my head. I wasn't, mm. you know, um, in my head. I knew I was, you know, I knew I was. Oh, it, there was just nothing I could do about I it. I know. You know, I was just struggling so much with being in constant, severe pain. And do you and think I, there is. I just, a, sorry to interrupt you. No, I'm just. Okay. Do you think there is a stage that a person gets to where. 
in inverted commas trying to lose the weight themselves is just it's too big a mountain use the, the pun but too big a mountain to climb you know 100 percent 100 i mean you're I mean, you're as i said you're a very wise woman you're a very learned woman about the psychology and about you know how people's minds work so you have that little side that you have that you know that um knowledge is, is that the right word but so yeah wisdom. do you Let's think call it wisdom you know wisdom, yeah. it what it is. <laughs> so you Managing. you know there know. does get to yeah. a point I didn't care I just mm. didn't care I was just I, I mean but you did care. I don't I know well just let me finish I Sorry. know that you were all worried about me <laughs> all right yeah but to be honest and I'm not gonna you know it was a lot worse than anybody even knew mm. that you, you, you know, I was still hiding, you know, uh, uh, so I was still, hi- I'd say probably Ella is the only person who knows how bad my daughter mm. I really was, you know, I, I was still hiding a huge, so much of what I was really going through. I Just don't think you I... hid it very well, to be honest. I think we <laughs> did really know. You might okay. think you were hiding it, but yeah, in the background, yeah. there were numerous conversations I'm about sure. what I'm any sure. one of us do, and it always ended up, but it's Anna, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, and and I didn't feel like there was anything I could do. No, I know like, that. There was days when I literally couldn't. I I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't yeah. get out of bed because I couldn't get out of bed. You know. Mm. And and as I I mean I had I had to have a, a you know a, a stool in the shower I couldn't stand up to sh- to clean myself you know mm. uh, it was bad it was mm. really bad and they basically told me in the, when I was in hospital that I was probably going to you know it was going to be sooner rather than later that I was going to be in a wheelchair you know. Um, they changed all my um, they were talking about MS and they changed all my um, med- they changed all my meds. They took me off a lot of the codeine, which I was really glad about because, you know, codeine is such a really great painkiller. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's not it's not the nicest thing to be taking a lot of. And I was no, very because you need more and more about- and more. Well, yeah, but I wasn't taking no. more and more and more. I was on a very stable dose. But it's a fine line. It is. We it all is. know and that, very, you know. That's one, yeah. And it's one thing that I was very, I, I'd be honest, I was very aware of, you know, mm. and I was always on top of and control of not, you know, taking overdoing one extra, the codeine. Yeah. And I, yeah. to be, yeah, and to be honest, I probably took less than I should have. And I was yeah, in more exactly. pain than I Like, I never, I took about half of what I was um prescribed because I just didn't mm. want to be taking as much but I had to take it as well because yeah. it was the only thing and I was I know I was anyway, the same um yeah I, I just know. I was talking to I PJ know. actually earlier saying um, that I remember when I had the feet pain and I remember I took more mm. brufen than well, was yeah. tramadol the first time around because I was afraid of getting reliant on yeah. the codeine whereas the brufen probably messed up my stomach more than well yeah that's it I remember going to the doctor one stage and I was taking brufen and he was like 
okay, I'm going to take you off the brufen and up your mm. codeine because now we know these new studies, have, you know, that was a few years ago, these new studies have come out and, and shown how, how dangerous brufen is for your kidneys and your liver, you know? Yeah. So I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't yeah. because it was either take more codeine and down with, anyway, look, at, yeah. I was, yeah. I was bad. Yeah. So I That was had, sort of July... That was July the third. Yeah, I was in hospital for a week. Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty, and obviously COVID had struck in March. But the situation in Ireland was a lot like it was everything had opened up that summer. You know, the cases were very like we had like six cases a day or whatever. What? Apart from from the the pubs, pubs. yeah, (laughs) we had like six cases a day at that. You know, there was really maybe eighteen cases or whatever. Things were really like. or COVID, I was going to say codeine, COVID had (laughs) really kind of alleviated at that time, you know? Yeah. And um, I had, there was somebody that I was, I was talking to who had told me that um, she, um, she was going abroad for weight loss surgery. Mm. One of the doctors, sorry, I'll just go up. One of the doctors. Can I just preempt what you're about to say about the conversation you and I had about Becky when she went for her surgery Mm. before she had it, how we were so anti it and we were so. And I feel so so bad about that. So do I. We were so critical and sort of up on our high horse and, you know, how could she do it? She lost all that. I've I've had to apologize. Oh, so have I. Really like, yeah. (laughs) I have as well. And I didn't go there. But I mean, I remember us being so militant about it. I think it was a bit of jealousy as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, there was sort of definitely because I knew that it would never be an option for me. You know, yeah. and, and the NHS was so open about it at that yeah. time, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the doctors in the hospital who saw me, he was a really nice man, actually. And obviously we all know it's well documented that if you're overweight or fat or obese or clinically obese or morbidly obese, whatever you want to call it, if you ha- if you go into hospital with a sore nose, yeah, it's because you're overweight or obese, you know. So I was I was so used to just being told your guard was probably that. up as well, was it? Well, yeah, you do get defensive. Maybe, when yeah, you do. Of course, yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah, of course, you do. So, but this one doctor, he was quite, you know, and he was, you know, and I, and my way of dealing with that kind of thing is to be like, I know it's my weight, you know, before, <laughs> say it before yeah. they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, um, this one doctor, anyway, and he he was quite overweight himself, actually, but he kind of said to me, "Look, you know, um, like myself, you know, if you lost weight, it would help with it'd help with a lot of these issues and I was just like yeah yeah it's not gonna you know because I'd really I'd lost hope yeah I was honestly I'll say I was waiting to die at that stage you know I was in so much pain and I was just you know um my life had reduced to pinpoint you Mm. know and all I could see what I couldn't see any any future you know it was just pain and immobility and fatness Mm. you know and um Anyway, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I was, I was at that stage, by the way, at this stage, I was on disability allowance mm. as well, you know, and, um, and, you know, some other traumas that happened around my work and stuff. And, but I was still seeing maybe one client a week, two clients a week, just because I wanted to kind of keep my toe on the water. And, and they were people that I had 
long-term clients yeah know, so I was yeah. kind of had a good relationship with anyway um <clears throat> so this one person that I knew at that time had said to me that she was going abroad for weight loss surgery and I kind of went oh Jesus you know what's that like you know because we all have this kind of image in our head that mm-hmm. going abroad for weight loss surgery and kind of having it done and by a butcher down a back alley and coming <laughs> back and you know having to kind of like you know pick up the pieces or whatever but you know, she 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 spoke to me about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. So I kind of thought, well, I wonder about weight loss surgery, you know. And so I went to my doctor and I said it to her. And a lot of doctors, believe it or not, in this day and age are still re- in Ireland are still really like can be really against it. Yeah. But my doctor is, by the way, my doctor is amazing. She is just amazing. And she said to me, oh, she said, that's a really good idea. Um, And and she said, look, I'm going to refer you to Galway to there's a really you know there's a barrier because at that time I had th- I had remembered speaking to mum about it like months yeah. beforehand and she had said to me what's that place the other place what's the place that does it well we had actually set that up yeah for her to have okay. that conversation oh with yeah Lachlanstown okay. what's Lachlanstown yeah. yeah and I had heard I had kind of got done a bit of um research into it and I'd heard that the waiting list was yeah, very it's crazy. long yeah and it's so like my 10 years yeah 11 years yeah. I heard yeah. yeah and um so I said it to my doctor and she said oh yeah she said um uh, because I live in the Midlands and she said said I'll refer you to Galway mm. and I was like oh they're doing it in Galway too and she was like oh yeah yeah and she said there's a really nice surgeon who does it there in bariatric team um so I said great and then I kind of went online and went on a few forums and I saw that the waiting lists are not quite as long as Lachlanstown, but you'd still be looking at maybe seven or eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do that. So, um, and then, you know, this, this client or this person was talking to me about, um, uh, about uh, going abroad for surgery. And I just kind of, my first, you know, we all have this kind of like, definitely this this kind of bias in our heads yeah about of course people who go abroad for surgery or any whatever. sort of surgery especially kind of cause and I'm doing yeah air quote, cosmetic surgery you know um so she kind of told me about it a bit and and um and then I she gave me the website and I looked it up and I was like oh my god this actually looks really amazing and uh and and um and I started looking into it Mm. and i and i found out that um no she went this guy this person went to lithuania and um and uh i um i started looking into it and i found out that the baltics are actually considered like centers of excellence for surgery Mm. you know for a lot of different surgeries and that they're doing um they're using techniques that we don't even we haven't even heard of here in ireland and you know they're they're just like so I kind of thought, well, oh, my God, could this be an option for me? You know, <laughs> so I started looking into it and doing a bit of research. And eventually, anyway, I came across this one clinic um, in in Latvia, which had like incredibly high ratings. Um, weight loss Latvia, it's called um, like perfect six out of six kind of stars on all the website, you know, there's there's like ratemyclinic.com websites and you know yeah. um and and this one place had um and, and I contacted I, I actually did a spreadsheet on my computer and I contacted about 
I think it was 25 different clinics. Oh my God. Um, and I got all, well, you know me, when I yes. have something in my head, yeah. I research the yeah. Yeah. out of it. You know, I don't want to curse on your, on your podcast. It's fine. But, um, okay, I researched the shit out of things. Yeah, you so do. I had the spreadsheet, spreadsheet, <laughs> spreadsheet <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> And I had all the different, you know, cost and and, you know, surgery stars and and, you know, um, cost of flights, length of time to get there and and duration of stay and the type of I, I mean, there was about 15 different, you know, parameters and uh, and and I contacted them all and they all got back to me. And this one anyway, this one particular one in Latvia, um, I, I really she, this one woman, she got back to me straight away and I really clicked with her and she was so nice and so helpful. And it was a really good price and everything. And as I said, they had amazing um, they had amazing reviews. And um, and then I found out that there's actually a, a, um, a HSE um, uh program called the cross-border directive which had been mentioned to me when I was getting my spinal about my spinal surgery but at that time it was UK based yeah and um and obviously UK isn't in the EU anymore but like you pay for the surgery yourself up front and then you can come back and claim you know when the waiting lists are really long and claim Mm. it um, from the HSE but when I was going for my surgery my next spine surgery it was like 21 grand and I you Jesus. know I didn't have that yeah but the surgery in the weight loss surgery in Latvia was coming out at 5,380 euros mm. and I priced obviously just out of interest I priced it to go privately in Ireland and you'd be probably looking at about 18,000 euros yeah. to get it done probably. Yeah. now I've since found out that there is another place that does it a bit cheaper but that's what you probably be looking at Over and still gra- yeah. probably about a year waiting list anyway yeah. you know what I mean yeah so um but the only thing with the cross-border directive is that you have to travel in advance to to do a consultation in person right so this all happened in July in August I went to Latvia with Ella um, for a week and we had a little holiday. Now, don't forget the COVID was very much, um, and you know, uh, a non-runner at that time. Mm. Um, it, the, whole, the whole situation had really quietened down and, you know, traveling. Latvia, I remember you said there was very little even. Oh, I think there was like one case in Latvia or something, the whole yeah. country, you know. And in Ireland, it was still, but we still had to wear masks all the time and be really careful. And, yeah. And, you know, um, but we went for a little week's holiday. I met the, I, I went for a consultation. I met the surgeon, went to the hospital, which, by the way, is a private hospital in the middle of a fairy tale forest, <laughs> like something out of a Bavarian fairy tale, you know, on uh, with castles. Latvia is one of the most beautiful countries yeah. I've ever been to in my life. I know, I, I, I know, I told Baltics, you. Yeah. We were meant to go to oh, Riga incre- and yeah, Riga my father died. To. Yeah. Incredible. We should yeah. go. We we should go there sometime. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is so beautiful. And the people are so oh. nice. But anyway, went, met the surgeon, got approved for surgery, um, came back, had a little holiday with Ella, hobbled around on my cane, you know, um, came back. And three weeks later, I went over again 
Um, and I by that time I'd lost just over a stone because I had to lose some weight beforehand yeah, the liver for shrink. the liver reduction. Yeah. Um, and on the fourth of September I had a, a full bypass. Right. And um, so Ella came with me. Um, I flew over and had the bypass. Um, and then I stayed in hospital for a week. And as I said, this is a pri- like I have never seen anything like this hospital you could have literally eaten your dinner off the floor um and the service and the just the expertise and the professionalism were just out of this world out of this world and um I flew back I was there I think I was there for six days six days altogether we had it was an extra day on it because you had to do a COVID test as well before you when you when you first arrived um and flew back and um yeah and that was uh six months to six months this friday um so I, I, i'm very aware of time here I know. i'm not Sorry, trying to rush you and I know it's fascinating and i'm fascinated like i was talking to becky but um it, it's funny because yours and becky's stories are so different but you did actually have the same thing done you both had yeah. the bypass yeah you both had you know but like whereas Becky had two years to sort of mentally prepare for it and be yeah. prepared <laughs> for it weeks. you literally <laughs> and I think that took its toll on you post-surgery didn't it you were in a, um, it took you the six weeks for your brain to actually you were not good mentally for the first I'd no, say six weeks I wouldn't say so at all to be honest I would say that I really struggled physically I had a lot of, I, I definitely had a lot of. Um, I think you had mentalists. I mean, you, like Becky, I remember Becky saying she different. was never hungry and you woke up hungry almost and you were surprised oh, at that. Yeah, but that, that, hunger that can and, happen. I yeah. don't think it was because I didn't have. But okay. having said that, um, I know that mum, when I was going through like the difficult times, mom, our mother is a real uh, diary keeper. Yeah. And she had looked back on her diary because she was there with Becky when she had hers. And she had noted that Becky was hungry a lot of the oh, time. Really? The few weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> As well. Really? So I think Becky probably um, doesn't maybe remember that, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, one of the things that really shocked me was that I came around from surgery and felt starving (laughs) and I had had this idea that I would wake up from the surgery and I'd never feel hungry again kind of thing you know and I really did struggle with hunger for say the first three weeks I was hungry and I and that really shocked me because I was I mean effectively you're starving and your body is going to react that you're starving and it's going to try and make do everything that it can to make you eat you know yeah so I was literally drinking like for the first five days it's water only yeah water yeah. only and you even struggle with that mm. and then you go on to like juices and then you go on you know and then you go on to like soups and then it's you know um mashed food and then it's like um soft foods you know and then yeah. it's kind of like um just you kind of very very slowly start introducing i mean it's been really hard Really, you're, but you are still in the honeymoon period, so to speak, because you're still getting yeah. your weight losses and everything. Yeah, it does. You do get stalls. And yeah. Get like, you know, I've had like, you know, and with me, I kind of I have like had, you know, weeks where I might have like a one or two pound gain. And yeah. then maybe the next 
that's happened twice. And then maybe the next week you'll kind of lose like seven pounds or something, you know what I mean? So, um, and usually it's to do with the time of the month as well. That can have a big impact. Yeah, and, water. You know, and... I'm 48. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> things aren't going to be happening as fast. You're probably perimenopausal at this stage anyway, you know. So your hormones are going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I know I was. It hasn't been easy. It no. really hasn't been easy. Um, and I have had, you know, I've had... It's been the mental side of it has been difficult. Mm. Definitely has been difficult. You I'm knew that. But you I knew said that like, though. I remember you, that was one of your biggest fears was yeah, the mental side of it. That, absolutely. You know, you've got the buzz of losing the weight and feeling better and everything. But I remember you saying because of as you've admitted the research in you, the researcher in you, you knew that people had experienced sort of, you know, have like what do you do without food you've got yeah. to deal with that side Absolutely. what who are you without that and yeah. the weight loss who are you with this new identity absolutely you know and, and especially for anybody who and i have mentioned this and mm. i know you mentioned it who has who had you who had maybe had some sexual trauma and had maybe used what you know being bigger as a way to kind of like cover up and mm. you know there's a big element of self-sabotage when you start losing a lot of weight you know yeah. you start suddenly be, and me, like maybe you're not being you know interesting to the opposite sex you know what I mean I don't but there is your head starts kind of going oh shit you know what I yeah. mean um so it it is it, it it's been really hard and I have had some physical issues and I do struggle you know there are stuff there is still stuff Mm. and it's still as very early I mean Becky's like two and a half years out I'm not even six months out no exactly um so it it is still kind of early days for me um but I I mean but tell everyone about the walking well I mean like as I said I couldn't walk 100, 100 no. meters you know, but sure i remember we met when the jazz ago. cork jazz festival and your friend mel was over from italy do you remember we met for the meal and we said afterwards yeah. we said we go for a walk around the park and you just couldn't yeah. you you sat in no. your car i had I and i literally i physically couldn't mm. the pain was just and i would have a very high threshold for pain because mm. i have i'm in a lot of pain so now anyway um i mean i walked 7k yeah. you know two weeks ago I walked 7k you know Mental. oh yeah I was tired and a bit sore yeah and I, as I anyone still is have, <laughs> I still have a lot of pain a mm. lot of pain and I still really do struggle and I still have all the issues that I had before like I still have damage to my to my yeah. spine and to my knees and I still have the bulging dick I still have a lot of nerve damage you know and I still have neck and shoulder pain but having said that, everything is easier with, I haven't said how much weight I've lost in six months. So, you know, as of say, I haven't weighed myself this week, but say as of this week, I've lost 95 pounds as of oh last week, I've lost, which is nearly seven stone, you know. Um, how now amazing. I still have, I still have, you know, a lot, a good bit to lose. I still have a, a good bit that I want to lose, but I mean, everything is easier mm. with, you know, seven stone gone. Like even even though I'm still in pain and I, I struggle a lot with that and I still have fibromyalgia and, you know, but just life is easier. Everything in life is easier. Everything. 
you know um and i i really feel like i saved my life and that is not an over exaggeration or or an over dramatization yeah you know i i i saved my life i agree i think you did i don't know where i don't know where i'd be now six months on from where i was that that when i was in hospital that time you know um so i mean can I just say, sorry, I'm interrupting I you. I can here. cut my own toenails, <laughs> you know. I can, I can, <laughs> I can wash my hair standing up, you know. I can walk seven k. Yeah. I can, I can see my knees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm wearing clothes that I haven't worn for ten, you know, fifteen years, you know. Anna, and it's really funny. I just want to say it's really funny because Anna has always kept all her clothes over the years <laughs> and we've always been like don't keep them don't keep them and yeah, now she's yeah. rediscovering her oh my god her 90s wardrobe by the way yeah <laughs> ella's so embarrassed she's like i'm like oh my god this fits and she said that doesn't mean you have to wear it <laughs> just because it fits you don't have to wear it <laughs> oh, i'm like god. i'm wearing it i'm wearing it <laughs> so but, you're um, still only yeah. i mean really you're still like the first year is the big one, isn't it? So you're still very, only halfway through the first year. So you're still only eating small portions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mentioned this to Becky in that I've hmm. seen the portion she eats now and what she eats. And yeah. she would eat sort of what I would call normal portions. Normal, you know? smallish, say. Yeah, smallish. small. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So, but you're way, way oh, away yeah. from that still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, although I saw something you'd eaten recently, you were talking. We were on a WhatsApp call, and I was quite not amazed. I was like, "My God, that's bigger than I thought you could eat." You know, I'm not mm. saying you shouldn't. It depends on. It depends very much. Like some days I could eat more, and other days I wouldn't be able to eat like half a boiled egg. You know what I mean? It really does. Like it's very up and down. Now. I have struggled a lot with 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 you know with physical stuff. Yeah, really digestive have. stuff. Yeah, I really have. Um, and you know, I don't enjoy food anymore really as much as I used to. You know, I don't really like a lot of things that I loved just don't taste the same anymore. And and when you're eating something and you know it doesn't really go down very well then you kind of just like I don't really enjoy eating anymore and I don't really enjoy food anymore you know but that does that, that make brought, you feel sad it does yeah it, it does make me feel really sad but it also has brought with it a, a real sense of freedom yeah well. I bet double-edged sword <gasps> that's what I mean it it's like double-edged sword coming from I remember us being so worried about Becky a Christmas dinner after she the first year after she'd had her surgery yeah. and we were all like oh my god she's not going to be able to enjoy you know our yeah. family occasions because yeah. when we all get together it's all about the food and the big dinner and we all yeah. bring a bit and we I was I remember thinking I, I was I was stressing about the fact that she just wouldn't be able to sit and enjoy food with us anymore you know and I suppose I see that she does now again. So I suppose mm. I, you know, I foresee that coming around yeah. for you, maybe. And, but you were never a huge example, lover of food. No, I mean, I you never plan food. I never like you. Like it's so funny. 
in the times when we used to be able to do this, but you mm. or mom would come. Yeah. And you'd be like, what are we having for dinner? And I'd yeah. be like, I don't know. I don't know. I know. What do you want? That, um... And you'd be like, well, like you plan days in advance. Yeah. And, you know, and, you're just, and I'm like, 10 minutes beforehand opening the fridge and going well you know I suppose I could make an omelette you know there's I remember coming up and staying with you and (laughs) like I I'd have my lunch and then I'd be like right you know what when are we getting what are we having for dinner like you're hungry already (laughs) and that was before you had your surgery like yeah no this is this is what I'm talking about before I have my surgery yeah I've never really been you know which is probably a bad thing because I just then put on like you're a big, grazer, you know, massive. No, not so, no. Like I just throw. Like oh yeah, half a bag of pasta into yeah. a bowl and smother it in cheese. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, rather than actually taking the time to plan and nurture myself, and you know, yeah. so it is very freeing, I have to say. But you actually touched off something there about Christmas. Um, oh yeah. It actually Christmas really something like Christmas really bothered me because one of the things that I've always really looked forward to about Christmas was the big kind of nice Christmas dinner. Mm. And, you know, I just wasn't able to do that. And that did kind of it did. It did kind of like bother the psychological me, side of that. Yeah, it, that was yeah. totally psychological. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I just felt like it wasn't Christmas and that I didn't have a good Christmas because I wasn't able to enjoy my Christmas dinner, you know. Um, and then, that's so sad. To, it's so sad, really, to hear. But then but it was tied just, up with COVID as well. Don't forget, yeah, not exactly, being able to yeah, get yeah. together with not family. Being with family, so it would have been you know, a totally different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's good to be aware of these things, you know, and to have you know awareness of of what's going on in your head. But um, yeah, it it is like it is hard, you know, and and it is psychological. And I still eat far. I still eat far too fast, mm. you know. You were um, always a real fast eater. Yeah. And I, yeah. that's something I struggle with every single meal. And that's quite dangerous when you've mm. had bypass because your stomach is the size of an egg. You yeah. know what I mean? Even though you can eat more than an egg's worth of food, you know, it's, but I'm also, I've also been very lucky because I literally can, I, I heard Becky saying about, you know, cabbage and eggs and stuff like that. Like I can eat literally anything. And I haven't dumped, I haven't dumped at all. You know, I haven't had the dumping, the um, intestinal rush when the food moves too fast into your intestines and it makes you feel like you're going to die for about three hours and, or certain foods can do that as well. Yeah, Which is again, a double-edged sword because like one of the, one of the reasons people have bypasses is because the dumping does control, because usually people dump when foods are too fatty or sugar. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So it stops people from eating those kind of things. Now I haven't really wanted to, but mm. um up to now, but uh, I don't dump. Now I I do like I do get the blockage sometime. Right. But I've never been I haven't I haven't vomited once since I've had the surgery. Um I haven't had any like any any problems like that and there are people who literally get sick every time they eat, you know. Oh god. More with the sleeve actually than the bypass, but um so I've been lucky that way. I could literally eat anything. Like wow. I've no, I've had no intolerance. Some people become gluten intolerant after they have the surgery, Jesus. you know, or dairy intolerant. And, or... and you've come off all your blood pressure meds as well, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, within four wow. months. Well, within within three weeks, I was off one of them. 
Because you and weren't then, feeling well and you went to the doctor and then oh they my, took you my off. My blood them. pressure was like, uh, my, my blood pressure was like um, uh, 85 over 59, you know. And, yeah, it was really and, low. And yeah. Most, most people, sh- if, just in case you don't know, it should be like the perfect blood pressure is 120 over 80. Yeah. So my I was feeling really unwell and lightheaded and sick. And they took my blood pressure and they were like, oh, my God, your blood pressure is like dangerously low. And I was like, no, it's not. I've got high blood pressure. I've always (laughs) had high blood pressure. So they took me off one and then it kind of went up a bit. But then now I'm off all my blood pressure meds and I'm only on painkillers. But one thing that Becky kind of touched off as well is that when you do have a bypass, you have to take um, other uh, multivitamins and um, other things for the rest of your life. So it'll But you were always taking that sort of stuff anyway. You were really, yeah, that's not really been a 20 million in front of you. (laughs) Yeah. And also I've had some issues around, which I had before the surgery I have. um, I was, I was already quite anemic. Yeah. Um, so I have had I I and that was beforehand. I don't um I don't absorb um iron, B twelve and folic acid. Yeah. Um, which can which is all can which is a big issue for people after they have the surgery. So I have to be really I have to get B twelve injections and iron infusions and i have to take yeah but that, acid daily that wasn't well. because of the surgery you were no that, but that it was happening anyway. before yeah 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 it was happening to me before but it also happens to everybody who has the surgery yeah as well. yeah you know um they have to be really careful but other than that i mean it's just been like incredible for me and a, a total life changer and i have my life back to a certain extent you know um it's not going to repair the damage that's already been done you know, mm-hmm. the damage that I I already had. But as I said, everything is easier. And the fact that I can, you know, I now, I just feel so, so lucky and so free and yeah. that I can just, I can walk again and I can, I can, you know, I can, I can do things for myself again. I don't have to depend on, on, on my daughter and, you know, and she can depend on me now, which is, you know, the way it should be. And I don't, oh, I, I stopped using, I stopped using my cane, like, a week after I had the surgery, I didn't need it anymore, you know, and actually maybe even beforehand, maybe even losing a stone, you know, made a big, the stone that I lost before the surgery. Um, And, you know, I have so much energy. Um, Although in bursts because my calorie intake is so low, I crash really quickly and I sleep, I sleep a lot more, but I'm sleeping a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Um, You were saying that. Yeah. So, so listen, been, I'm yeah. going to have to wrap up because I, I, I could really talk good. for another hour about yeah. all this. It fascinates me. And I feel very, I actually feel really lucky to have two sisters who have had the experience. Um, and I don't mean that. Oh, I did just want to say actually one thing. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that this is kind of my kind of coming out of the closet yeah. moment because I hadn't actually Becky was very open about her having the surgery mm. and you know that she'd had the surgery um I wasn't and it, it wasn't because I felt shame or embarrassment no or I know it's a taboo it's it is more of a taboo in Ireland definitely than mm. it is in the UK but 
apart from that, the reason I didn't really tell anyone except like my family who've just been absolutely amazing. They've just been so supportive and I couldn't have asked for better, but, and, and some close friends who again have been amazing um, is because I just couldn't deal with anything. I couldn't deal with questions. I couldn't deal with questions about going abroad and people giving their opinions and maybe judgments and, you know, that sort of stuff. And I just couldn't, I just didn't feel I was, I just had to focus on myself, Yeah, you know, and focus on, on my own kind of recovery. And I didn't want anyone trying to, you know, uh, maybe talk me out of it. I knew it was what I had to do. And Mm. I was sure that it was what I wanted to do. I was a hundred percent. And, and I just, and after the surgery, then I was just dealing with so much that I just didn't want to deal with anybody's, you know, know, know. and it was, and it's nobody's business either. You no. know, we, we, we should never have to feel that we have a duty to tell people what's no, going exactly. on in our lives. Unless we want to. So that's how I felt. But now I feel like, you know, I'm in a much better place. I and, love that and... you think my audience is big enough that <laughs> <laughs> every like anyone that knows me is listening because I don't. <laughs> I have your millions, your millions of subscribers now know my yeah. deep dark secrets. I haven't actually like I people on Instagram that follow me or I interact with know about the podcast, but I've never put it up on Facebook or anything like that. Who oh, are and those though. the Facebook so people good. are the sort of friends and family, and I just yeah. feel really. I feel I don't know. I yeah. So you I have should. a bit of um, that's another that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so listen sis i'm going to wrap it up because yeah. as i said i'm sure yeah, we, i mean it's gone way over time so i'm really sorry not even about being over time but um i think we're at the end of the story now and i could as <laughs> I well so yeah, maybe no. maybe we'll take this up because um i'm just going to tell people that you and i are going to actually start a podcast together now yeah. it's going to be more about mind matters and you know mental health and all that sort of stuff which we both work yeah and, yeah we both work in very different fields but it's all the same organ that we work Absolutely. with <laughs> um excuse me there's yeah. no organs in my work <laughs> uh, the organ of the don't, brain don't i just like want to make it clear <laughs> but um Thank you so much. And thank you for using me as your coming out of the closet, <laughs> weight loss, coming out of the My closet moment. storyteller. Um, to I, be honest, even though I said that, I, I haven't, it hasn't been a massive secret either because I have no. still told quite a people that I trust, you know, yeah, and people that I, you know, um, that I, that I. And I think you're lucky that Becky went before you because she sort of led the way that she, she paved the way for showing people how positive a a thing it is. Definitely when it came to your family, even, I mean, as as we said at the start, how, how we bitched, not bitched about Becky, but we we lovingly were concerned. Yeah. You know, quite concerned. Yeah. Or just a bit indifferently jealous. But she, she gave us the learning. Absolutely. to be able to deal with your yours and you, you know, know she so well. and she handled it so gracefully exactly well. really yeah did. yeah and even when like I kind of tongue-in-cheek tail between my legs came came back to her and she never said I told you so but <laughs> after you know I kind of did feel like at one stage that I had to say to her look you know 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was really blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She was like, she was so graceful and, Aww. you know, and she really was. And she was so supportive. And she was, a, I mean, as I said, I never had the two years of coaching. And I still don't, even though the team was still there for me very much, um, I still don't have the, you know, the... Um, the 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 backup that she yeah, has you know? yeah yeah no but she's exactly. been so like she's been so supportive and she's yeah. been a wealth of information oh. and a wealth of help and really had a had had a great hand in my success and you know yeah. and she's still obviously still and as you are too so you know it's been oh. it's been such a blessing well so listen thank you, thank you for sharing I've really enjoyed this um interview and just to say you can be found online. I will put it on, on Instagram, but you can be found online. You've, your website is Virtual Counsellor? Um, um, com and www.irishshaman.com. You don't have to give the www anymore. There's a lot of <laughs> okay, comedians sorry. play on that one, you big old woman. Right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so, it's, yes, virtualcounsellingireland.com um, and irishshamanism.com. Lovely. Listen, thank you so also much, Also on sister. Instagram, it's the same, and on <laughs> yeah. Facebook, it's the same names. Brilliant. And I'm sure people will go and have a look at you now to see what you look like. <laughs> um, Before and after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, lots I of love. I haven't posted any, but yeah, lots of love to you too, and thanks and... For, the, um, for the for the talk and the chat. And yeah, know, it was great. I, and I'm so proud of the work you're doing. Oh, Keep thank you. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share. And also, if you would be good enough to rate and review it. See you next time. Bye.